This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at three unusual but entertaining films. They are a return to a group of singers in a fishing village in Fisherman's Friends, one and all. Joy and melancholy shared by a father and daughter during a holiday together in After Sun. And bloody violence and death in a forest with cocaine bear. I'm here to pick up 15 passes for the Fisherman's Friends. Catering passes are allocated at the trader's entrance. Oh, no, it's a Fisherman's Friends are a band. I thought you were talking about the cough sweets. <laughs> What's it like sharing a record label with Lady Gaga? <laughs> According to her management, she's well chuffed. The Fisherman's Friends have a new album ready to roll. Moby Dick and the Whalers are not on message. Fisherman's oh, Friends, like One and All, is a follow-up to another movie about the rise to unexpected fame of a singing group in a lovely fishing village in Cornwall. In this sequel, we explore how difficult to deal with they found their singing success. Mary Gibson's been off to the Academy Cinemas to see this light musical drama. Uh, Mary, I found the original film of about three years ago, very enjoyable. Uh, what did you think of this sequel, Fisherman's Friends, one and all? I thought this was equally as good as the first one. I loved the first one, and I loved this one too. It's um, very similar in a lot of ways, um, although the, the first one tells the story about the discovery of the Fisherman's Friends and um, their uh, road to success, I guess, when they produced their first album. And the second story kind of starts after the death of Jago, um, so that's Jim's dad, and how he is now struggling to stay committed and focused to Fisherman's Friend. And um, the uh, and also they had the success of their first album, which I think sold quite well. Um, yeah, throughout England, throughout not the just UK. The local yeah, community. yeah, throughout the UK yeah. because they they sang the traditional shan- sea, sea shanty folk songs, and that created a bit of a revival in in folk songs. But they are struggling to work on their next album, and they are really not making the grade. and And there's lots of funny, funny comparisons and talking about Lady Gaga and people like that and and whether they should be <laughs> yeah. a bit more commercial. And yeah, well, they're <clears> not quite Lady Gaga. Not at all, not at all. But but also what's playing out at the same time is, you know, Jim's grief over the loss of his father and he hasn't accepted that and he's, he's turned to drinking, so he's drinking very heavily, talking to his dad when he's out on the boat um, and, and just not really, becoming really quite recalcitrant. No. And well, he's quite an angry man. Most very of the angry time. And, mm. and not loving life at all. And so it's it's sort of wrapped around that, the personal stories of the people, they're going on tour, a bit of misbehaviour on tour, um, you know, um, 
the young young guy and meeting a woman and having his photo the photos of her breasts sent to him on the phone and stuff like that you know bit of bit of I guess light-hearted banter and um, that kind of thing so you know, it, it really does revolve around Jim a lot. The story yes, and the premise yes. is predominantly about him. And so they the funny there's some funny scenes when they are um auditioning for a new singer after Jago has died. And um, you know, <laughs> yeah, some really hilarious scenes uh, as these men are trying out to join the group and <laughs> and then when finally they accept the um uh, accept Morgan, he is a farmer, a dairy farmer, and so they call him a muckraker, whereas they are uh, fishermen. So there's this whole kind of, you know, land versus the sea playing out also and and the personal agendas, the personal stories, wrapped around some beautiful singing and some gorgeous scenery in Port Isaac and Cornwall. Um, So, so, you know, they're well known across the Duchy of Cornwall um, and you know their their music is is really quite lovely and and oh those songs are those, beautiful yeah, yeah. beautiful you know and and beautiful um you know beautiful baritone voices in there it's it's great it's mm. it's a good little movie mm. really good and and does what I liked about it too is that it it does follow on from the first one really nicely uh, and and it is predominantly based on a true story. You know, the cer- first one certainly was, and this one is with the characters also. <laughs> but but I guess they've rounded it out a little bit further with adding some storylines and, um, you know, some personal agendas, a bit of a romantic love interest, um, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Another aspect that uh, really <laughs> fascinated me and um, and uh, with the first film and again with the second one is uh, this where the filming was done, as you mm, mentioned, in mm, Port mm, Isaac mm, in Cornwall. Mm. In mm. England, it's a lovely uh, fishing mm. village uh, on the coast. Um, that this is the same place that was used um, in, the, in with Martin Clunes mm. in the Doc Martin mm. TV series. Mm. Mm. And so when you get there, you, you feel familiar. You feel at home. Well, <laughs> you know, I've been here before. You know, yeah. you get that sort of a feeling. It is a lovely because it is seems to be only a tiny place on the down on the yeah. water and yeah. some yeah. hills behind with a few houses on the hills yeah. and that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they 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 are fully aware of this. They use some lovely photography mm. throughout the film mm. of that mm. and of the water. Yeah. Well, yeah, and look, I haven't ever watched um, Doc Martin, but um, you know the the scene and everything is is really gorgeous as you say and you know those walks up into the hills and where um, the character who who plays Aubrey who is Jim's love interest and she's staying in an isolated um, it's not really a cottage it's bigger than a cottage but up on that that bluff overlooking the beauty, the sea and the and the rolling hills and everything like that. So it, it is really quite stunning. And that captures you as much as anything else, as much as the storyline does. Yeah. You oh, know, yes. Oh, no. So as such, I mean, uh, you, you could um, get the feeling uh, that uh, possibly... Um, to continue on on that, the, the first film was extremely popular, mm, and they mm. uh, they say it's basically that uh, lovely that music those um, the old folk, sea folk shanties, those, those yeah, sea yeah. shanty songs. Um, but so, but to, to continue that on, it was the big challenge. 
was to work out, to figure out how to come up with a fresh story with mm, these characters mm, and, mm, and uh, mm. you know, in this little mm. town, what, what are we going to have them doing mm, this time? Mm. I'd say that is the major challenge of the film. But they've um, overcome that basically with good, char- likeable people and lovely music and a lovely setting. Yeah. And altogether, you quite enjoy and, it. And, and interestingly, um, because of the success of these guys and their fame, they no longer sing in the Platte or the, you know, the harbour area because an invasion of 4,000 people into this little, <laughs> little t- village of Port Isaac they just can't cope. So, yeah. you know, they are kind of having to move out of that location, that beautiful location, which, yeah. you know, to, to kind of isn't fair to um, to the locals if they suddenly are invaded. So, so in a lot of ways, Fisherman's Friends has been successful in more ways than one. Good. <laughs> OK, well, thank you, Mary. That was Mary Gibson with her views on Fisherman's Friends, one and all. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. I love you. Love you. In After Sun, we are presented a young woman's reflections on the shared joy and melancholy of a holiday she had taken with her father 20 years earlier. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Alice Cinema to see this visually complex but deeply moving film. Uh, Carolyn, I did not always understand where this film was going. How did you cope with After Sun? You weren't the only one. Um, no, it is. It's a difficult film to review, isn't it? Because some people are going to absolutely love it, and they have, and the other people are going to go, "What? What was this about? What was the point of this kind of thing?" So, for that point of view, it's a film that is polarizing, and it will appeal to a lot of different people. Yeah. For me personally, I was um, because it has a lot of special effects in it that include strobing and. Um, flashing lights and everything else, and even just jerky camera motion, probably about a third of the film I missed out on. I just simply wasn't able yeah, to watch it. you could watch it, yeah. No, which is a shame. Um, mm. Well, there are those warnings out on there most, are a lot of the advertising yeah. to watch out for that strobing sort of Yeah, they are, effect. and other films have been and, able uh, to, it's it's not been a problem. You, you kind of get a sense when this is going to happen, but with this film, it was just... It was just an ordinary scene, and then the next scene, mm. there was suddenly stro- strobing going on, or it switched mm. to the old camera. Yeah. So there was, and, no and, and I just couldn't figure out why they put it in. So no, much. it wasn't needed. But, no, no. But, but I think it was to indicate that what we, what's going on on the screen now, are this young woman. Um, Sophie. Uh, yep. Sophie, her memories. Yes. Um, about what had happened to her. Uh, as a, a, te- a, um, a 
what, as a child, ten, yeah. As a child, 10 years earlier. Um, now she's a 20-year-old woman, but this is with her, I think she was a 10-year-old girl um, with her father on holiday over in yeah. Turkey, of all places. Yeah, I mean, and the relationship was well played. At, like, the girl, um, Frankie Courier, who played Sophie, has never acted before. Hmm. She has never even done a school play. Um, she was just found. And so this is her first film, and yes, kudos to her. She does a brilliant job. And she's job. the one who holds it together. She does, She's yeah. on screen, say, 90% of the yes. time. She holds it together. An interesting thing, a point about this being, and particularly because it's her first film, is that the director, Charlotte um, Wells, interviewed more than 800 girls mm. for this film and chose this one. Uh, um, out of it, that's uh, Frankie Correa. I, I assume it's Correa or Correa. Correa. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Yeah, yeah who, who plays Sophie as the little girl, as a young girl with mm. her father on holiday. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Paul Mescal, he does a wonderful job playing Cullum. Well, he's been but nominated for an Oscar. Hasn't he, he has, yeah, best mm. actor, and I. Yeah, I do wonder about that. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, in terms of the relationship between the two of them, and they are dif- dealing with a difficult subject. I mean, he's got to portray a man who is suffering depression but doesn't want to show it in front of his child. Yeah. And he does a very good job of that. But you only know that because you, well, for me and you, we learned about it after the movie kind of thing, what was what was the main theme of the movie. So it is yeah. quite difficult to actually know what's going on while yeah. you're watching Well, I think this makes this the important point to know before you go to see this film exactly what it's about. Yeah, this that is what her you're memories looking at of her last are the trip. memories of this uh, 20-year-old girl of what had happened to her 10 years earlier when she was... Uh, a ten-year-old girl. Yeah, I think she's even older than then, twenty. And her father is dead since then, also. Yeah. And um, she's trying to bring back all these memories of her father. But as so, what you're seeing these, f- these um, fluctuating, these odd sort of shimmering pictures and all this sort of thing. These are her memories. Yes. Sometimes they're quite vague memories. They are quite vague. But they're also vague on us because yeah. I'm not even quite sure what I'm looking at. No, no. And she is actually. It's more than ten years. It's twenty years because. She's now the same age as her father was oh, yeah. that she takes oh, yeah, on the holiday, right. yeah. and she's mm. got a young child yeah, as well. Mm. Yeah, so sorry. Oh, that's great. Yes, yeah. but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and visually stunning. It's beautiful. It's set in Turkey. It's gorgeous. It's <laughs> the cinematography. Oh, yes, I get about yeah, and, and it kept, I mean it kept me fascinated. But it was particularly the the um, girl uh, as Frankie Corio. Uh, in this part, she she was really yeah very yeah. good. It's, it's going to polarise people. Some people are going to love it and think it is an incredibly emotional, um, draining film. They're going to, there's been people walking out in tears. There's been yeah people really <laughs> attuning to it, and then there's other people who go. What did I just see? Yeah, what was that all about? <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> so be forewarned and uh, and understand that you are looking at the reconstruction of a girl's memories. Yep. yep. Okay, well, thank you very much. That was Carolyn Brown with her views on Aftersun, and I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. I also thank this show's sponsor, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Morehouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, asset, 
managers, one word, dot co, dot nz. Medic! Oh, Jesus. What is that? Beth, we should go. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. Cocaine Bear is set in a forest in Georgia where groups of people, including tourists and teenagers, police and criminals, are attacked by a murderous bear which has been consuming cocaine. Robin Munro has been off to the Lumiere Cinema to see this rather chaotic murderous comedy. Uh, Robin, with all the guns and killings, I think this film could only have been made into a comedy in America. What did you think of uh, Cocaine Bear? Oh, I thought it was um, great entertainment. But you're right, it could only be made in America. You've sort of got gangsters uh, looking for this cocaine that's been thrown out of a plane all over the forest. The bears found a fair bit of it and got very <laughs> high on it. And you've got... But nobody shoots the bear. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, 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 and you've got sort of park staff and um, you've got some young sort of delinquents that are sort of shoplifting and stealing and threatening people. And you've got some r- real gangsters, I already mentioned... And you've got a sort of little sentimental sort of side of the story where a mother comes looking for her daughter and her friend who are actually wagging school and have gone to the forest that day. So it, it, it's a very American story, yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't see this being made in, in New Zealand or in France or Germany. <laughs> Although the bear, the bear may have been made in New Zealand. Ah, is that so? Why, what makes you say that? <laughs> well, I understand that Weta Workshop created this bear digitally, yeah, although yeah. it does look very realistic. Yeah, that's New Zealand company. Yeah. yeah. Yes, well, this is, I mean, it does look like a real bear, but its movements are amazing. You know, and you wonder, but could a man in a bear suit do that? I can't see that. Well, they, they, they have these have these <laughs> methods these days of copying movements, and and maybe a, a man in a bear suit did it, or maybe they filmed <laughs> real bears. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, but as you say, there's uh, there's some digital work, uh, mm. the whole thing too, but oh, very, yeah. very realistic. Yeah, in fact, uh, starkly realistic when it comes to blood and guts at some points. <laughs> Well, well, I, well, we saw this film together, and I noticed that uh, just as much as myself, you were laughing out loud quite a lot at this film, sitting there laughing your head off at these people being killed by a bear or being shot or something. You know? I don't. I, I can, what was funny about that? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't usually laugh at such things, but I, <laughs> I think it was the, it was the contradictions. I mean, at one point there was a little boy sitting up a tree, and he says, "Well, I'm safe here because bears can't." climb trees and an adult tells him bears cl- can climb trees and the bear goes straight after him and um, not long after that there's another incident uh, closely related uh, where um, things actually turn out better for the boy but worse for the adult and that made me laugh <laughs> well the amazing thing is that this story is supposed to be based on fact well only vaguely in the sense that there was um a, a drug dealer had once dropped out of his, he was up in an aeroplane had dropped um, bags of cocaine um, out over the 
this forest for some people down there to pick up and then take it away and sell it. But um, And as it happened, a bear discovered some of this cocaine and ate some of it. Millions of dollars and, worth and, of it. And, and, uh, millions of dollars. <laughs> well, he ate 70 pounds of this cocaine. <laughs> and, 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 um, and then, well, and, uh, and they've based the film on this. But, they've, uh, but in reality, this bear died of the cocaine that he yes. eaten. So, so it never got on to the, what the film's all about. <laughs> no, it's sort of a, a, a fantasy, but it, but it is very entertaining and, and somehow very funny despite the gruesome parts. Yeah, so it's just so well made, so amazingly put together. You know, I just couldn't believe what I was... Well, I certainly couldn't believe what I was watching, but I was amazed at what I was watching mm. too. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's difficult. I mean, but who do you recommend to go to? I wouldn't take your mother. No, and I, I wouldn't take young children. I think teenagers might, um, well, over fifteen or something, might get quite a kick out of out of its humour. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's it, it really is quite gruesome in in parts, and um, um, but uh, somehow it's done in a funny way. Hmm. I mean, there's some good smart lines in it. There's this um, teenage boy who's out there with a, with a girl. He finds some of these bags of drugs, and of course he comes up with a smart line too of "Let's go and sell." the drugs together. Now, come on. <laughs> <laughs> this again is supposed to be funny. Yes. <laughs> and you laugh. <laughs> oh, there's certainly disapproval in the film of drugs too, although that, that really isn't the high high theme. But as you say, it, it's somehow very well um, put together. It works. It sounds like a, a dumb idea. Yeah. But uh, the whole team, the, the actors, the, the writers... Uh, um, the bear. Um. Oh, maybe he'll get an Oscar for it. <laughs> I don't think it will be recommended for you that. You don't think he's nominated? No. <laughs> okay. No, no. Um, it, it was good. Fun. It was amazing fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That was Robin Munro with his views on Cocaine Bear, and I'm Hans Petrovic, inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday, and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website. That's plainsfm.org.nz. (laughs) 